The value of investments can fall as well as rise, and losses may be made. Welcome to this 91 Investment Views 2023 podcast. With me are both Deirdre Cooper and Graham Baker. Both are co-portfolio managers at 91 in London, Global Environment. And Deirdre, I'll start with you on this one. We know the negative fundamentals that have prevailed over 2022 and still prevail now, incidentally. How do you think that rising inflation, the war in Ukraine and concerns over not just rising energy prices, but also energy securities have impacted the move towards a decarbonised world? Has it been put on the back burner or has the momentum slowed, do you think? Look, I think the short answer is short term, bad, medium to long term this will only accelerate the move to a decarbonised world. So, of course, in the short term, we will see emissions go up. We will see, particularly in Europe, more use of coal this winter than we ever had before, just because that gas isn't available. But, of course, the flip side of that is that those higher energy prices, but even more so lack of energy availability, massively incentivises investments in energy efficiency. And then more broadly, really increases the imperative for governments to really act and develop an independent, highly visible, affordable clean energy system for the future. So really interesting, for example, just a couple of days ago to see the International Energy Agency, which I peer review for, come out with their World Energy Outlook. And across the board, if you look at their medium term scenarios, the demand for fossil fuel was going down. And of course, the demand for every form of renewable energy and efficiency was increasing. It's very interesting. In a way, the war, which is ghastly, of course, in so many ways, you could look back and say this was a watershed moment when it came to energy transition. I'll just quickly stay with you, Deirdre, if I can. What do you think will be the key drivers of decarbonisation next year, given all that we've just said? Look, we think typically about three big drivers. We think about regulation, we think about technological change, and we think about changing consumer behaviour. If you look at regulation, the big thing that we're all talking about that that we've spent a huge amount of time analysing is that Inflation Reduction Act, the US passed in July of this year. We think that really is quite underestimated in terms of its impact. It's an incredibly complex piece of regulation. All of those incentives are done through the tax code. So it's a complicated set of tax credits, but it effectively sets the US up for 10 years of visibility across incentives for renewable energy. You know, some of those solar tax credits are so generous that there's parts of the US where I think you could probably build the solar and give the electricity away for almost nothing because those tax credits are so generous. It makes green hydrogen, hydrogen from renewable energy, dramatically cheaper than the fossil alternative in North America. And there's huge incentives for electric vehicle, battery manufacturing, and of course, the cars themselves. As we look more broadly, you know, Europe's an energy efficiency story that really gets into your behavioral change. I think people are now seeing, you know, their role in addressing the Russia-Ukraine conflict as using less energy. That That's what I can do to help. As you look into China, we've seen a lot of stimulus in the sector, but the transmission mechanism is pretty difficult in China because of zero COVID. But that also means, of course, there's a huge amount of pent up demand as we move out of that policy and very hard to tell when that's going to be. But at some point in the next couple of years, we would expect that to happen. We also, on the technological improvements, we see really 
interesting developments in China in the electric car space. You know, if you look at the last couple of months, almost a third of all new cars sold in China now are electric. And they're all new companies coming to market. They're companies like BYD and Li Auto and Neo and Xpeng that didn't exist previously and are making really exciting cars that Chinese consumers are loving. Graham, you've been listening patiently. And after Deirdre's last answer, it just seems to me that there are so many different areas that you look at. And it's almost changing not on a day to day basis, but quite regularly when it comes to the types of climate solution companies that are likely to benefit from the drivers that we've just been talking about. A very dynamic space you're in. Yes, of course. And you know, we look across three key themes regarding decarbonisation. The first is renewable energy. Then we look at electrification and of course, resource and energy efficiency. And I think in the current environment, we are seeing really exciting structural growth opportunities across each one of those. You know, whether we're looking at some of the more obvious areas such as solar and wind equipment names, you know, we continue to see very strong growth in solar demand, very strong structural growth from global solar demand, but also you know, we're seeing 100% plus year on year growth in Chinese solar demand. We're also, as Deirdre touched on, seeing that very strong structural growth in the electric vehicle value chain. And that is an area we're really trying to focus in, whether it's looking at specialist connectors, whether it's looking at smart vehicle architecture, batteries themselves, or the equipment manufacturers feeding into that value chain. We see some quite exciting opportunities. And then, of course, with higher prices across many commodities and across energy in particular, that resource efficiency and energy efficiency opportunity is really growing fast. Deirdre, you mentioned many big issues earlier in the interview. Are there any other big issues that may not make the headlines, but the ones that you're keeping your eye on and maybe not big at the moment, but will become big issues? Look, I think the ones I should have talked about, and these are in the headlines, but but they affect every investor, are inflation and recession. Right. You know, and if we take them in turn, for the area that we're investing in, we really do worry about inflation. We really focus on companies that have pricing power that can manage their business through that. But ultimately, it's not going to help equity performance. It's not going to help the pace of decarbonisation if we can't keep inflation under control. Our view is that it probably will be brought under control, but that that may well lead to much slower economic growth in 23, possibly a global recession. That's something we're modelling across all our companies is that recession scenario. And that's really where we think these companies are particularly well placed relative to the market as a whole. You know, they really do have those structural drivers, whether that's from electric cars growing at the expense of combustion engines, whether that's from companies investing in energy efficiency, because this will be a very unusual recession. It'll be a high energy priced recession, which is not normal, certainly here in Europe, which means that some of those companies like Schneider Electric, like Train, for example, that are selling products specifically focused on energy efficiency may well have a, a very different outlook in that environment. Graham, final question to you, and it's actually almost a two-part question. What do you think are some of the undiscovered, well, relatively undiscovered, or perhaps least understood parts of the decarbonisation universe of companies? In other words, what are you looking at that excites you? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think maybe an obvious answer to begin with is around renewable energy. And I think what some people don't quite realise is that the relative economics of renewables have continued to improve when compared to the hydrocarbon-based competition. So that is an obvious area of investment for us. But I think 
people don't understand that change in economics that we've seen continuously over the last 10 years by falling costs in renewables, but that has only been exacerbated with higher hydrocarbon prices recently. Now, in terms of more or less understood or undiscovered areas that we're looking at, there are a few areas that fit into that resource efficiency bucket. And an area such as bio-based options and alternatives to help decarbonize the chemical sector, utilizing things such as biosurfactants or enzymes to work in processes to, for example, help us run washing machines at lower temperatures or to produce better yields from crops, we think are really quite interesting and differentiated ideas that the market is maybe not picking up as a decarbonization opportunity. Or potentially we're looking at engineering and simulation software businesses that are helping many different industries to decarbonize at the design and simulation phase. You know, an area like the buildings and infrastructure industry creates significant amount of global carbon emissions and global waste. And some of those key simulation software companies are helping many industries to decarbonize. Graham, Deirdre, thank you very much for your insight. Deirdre Cooper and Graham Baker are both co-portfolio managers, Global Environment at 91 in London. This podcast is a marketing communication and is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. In South Africa, 91 is an authorised financial services provider.